1104, Dr. Payne, info at paincarecanada.com and the number 1-855-55-DR-L-O-U. D-R-L-O-U. You still here? Pretty simple. <laughs> still yeah, here? we have a special guest today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you guys know who it is. He's do- just doc- on. <laughs> Dr. Payne in the knee. <laughs> so, Dr. Doctor. Yeah, so I we have, a- have Greg Carrasco still on with us. If <laughs> didn't everyone's still, leave. yeah, he didn't want to leave. He came up with an injury just yes, so we could he hang has out. An injury, but we're gonna we're gonna tackle it. He asked me questions before. I said, "Stick around. Let's do this on the air." Doctor, doctor, <laughs> I have a problem. So this is what happened. I, I got the results of the MRI. Yep. And this is what it says. Uh, there is a tear in the ACL. Right. There is a partial tear or strain in the PCL. Mm-hmm. There is a mild strain on the quadricep tendon. There is a grade one sprain on the medial collateral ligament, and mm. I have a suprapatellar joint, effu- joint effusion. Right. Okay. Wow. It's a, in other words, it's a. It's a pretty messed up knee. Yeah. It's messed up. We can't oh. use other words, but yeah, it's it's messed up. That's for sure. <laughs> now, so your question was, um, is this something that you need to do surgery on, or are the other options that you've considered? Ask me what you want to ask. Okay. Me. So you know, for the last. Eight years, I have been a competitive CrossFitter, and uh, I have very strong legs. I mean, my squat is up to 380 pounds. My deadlift is almost 500 pounds. So I have very strong uh, hamstrings and and thighs, and my legs are are my forte. Now, I feel no pain. My knee is messed up, but I have no No pain, pain. and that's the problem because I I get overconfident. What do I do? Right. So this is very, very important. And the, the fact that you bring up that it's a functional issue, but not a pain issue. This is where I've often, and John will know this, when people are considering surgery because they have pain, but function mm-hmm. is absolutely normal, that's probably when surgery is not your best option. Right. Because there's so many things that go along with pain, like we've talked about, the psychological component of it, the neuropathic component of it, that those are not things that someone going in can fix. However, if you have what's purely a functional issue, um, like you're, you're saying, you've, you've given us a list there of the different problems you have with your knee. I would say that problems one and two, which is your biggest problem is the ACL tear. Then it says you have a slight PCL tear, um, which those are two ligaments that essentially keep your um, leg from shearing against your thigh back and forward because that's the way your your knee moves. I would say that all the other things that you have there that you read off the joint yep. effusion is just simply a result of problems one and two. I think if you solve problems one and two, those other things will likely get better. Because one of them, I think you said tendinopathy, another one, patellar effusion, and um, was there something else? I can't remember. The uh, the mild strain on the quadriceps. Yeah, Yeah, same thing. So all of those things are happening as a result of one and two. So now the biggest issue that you have is you have a weak ACL, which for people who don't know what the ACL does, is it essentially prevents your tibia, which is the lower bone, uh, from shearing forward against the upper bone, which is the femur. And so this is the most common injury in the knee is an ACL tear. So if you were someone that said to me, hey, this happened, and um, what can I do? I would always try to go the most conservative approach before going most invasive. The other structure that prevents shearing of that tibia against the femur is the hamstring muscles. But you started our dialogue by saying that you have really strong hamstrings. Yes. And so 
me telling you go rehab that is a futile attempt because you've already rehabbed it. So really, you're the perfect example of really your only option if you want to repair that ACL is go get ACL reconstructive surgery. And the outcomes for these things are incredible nowadays. We're not talking, this is not 1940 anymore where you're doing surgery. These are things that are done, you know, dozens and dozens a day. Mm -hmm. You know, the people we've had on the show, these are things that they can fix absolutely. Now, how long will I be out of commission? Because there are two things. I run a couple of companies. And also, I'm a pretty active person, and that just frightens me. Right. So what I would say to that is, so you're going to look at the ACL surgery. Um, I would say you would need probably um, at least two months, right? And that's if you do all the right things, go really hard on the rehab stuff. Now, the other thing that we've talked about before before is the prehabilitation, what you do prior to surgeries. You're the you're different than the average person that needs ACL reconstruction because you're in good shape. You're already active. You've already done the right things. So your outcomes are better. Uh, this is different for someone who comes in completely inactive. They were shoveling the driveway, turned their knee the wrong way, pop goes their ACL. That may be that type of person, three, four months. But what I usually say to people is you may have to sacrifice one or two months right now with the option that you'll be able to do the things you want to do for the rest of your life. Because at a certain point, the, the, the reality about function is that at a certain point, once function is hindered, the next step will likely be pain. And once you start getting into that, then that's a that's a whole different ball game. And so you don't want to be stuck with something forever. And I, I use this example with athletes all the time where they'll say, I can't be off of the sport for two months. And I'll say, well, you have the choice of two months right now or potentially never playing again if you keep going down this road. So that's what I would simply say to you. I think it's a good option. I think, yes, yeah, some time off maybe sucks. But I think if you... Again, time off is one of those things that when you, after you have surgery, you don't just, it's, you're not on your own. Whoever's leading your rehabilitation, you'll be doing things with the intention of returning to what your activity is. And so what that means is there'll be different ways that we can test that along the way mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, Greg, are you ready to go back? And if that time is at six weeks, then great. We see this all the time in, in, in sports, like in the NFL, where people are told, yeah, they're going to be out for 13 weeks, but then because they're ahead of schedule, they're rehabbing more they're doing more things they can come back early and if you do the wrong things or there's complications that we don't know will arise then you have to delay it but i think your your best option at this point with what you're saying with what i'm reading in that mri or what you read to us is yeah that at this point you probably do want to get that repaired oh man i uh, this is a it's a scary thing especially when you're this active i mean i'm on uh, i'm at the dojo six times a week and uh, you right. know at the store and you know running a few companies yep. it's crazy but Thank you. This is no invaluable. Problem. That's more answers <laughs> that I've received from anybody in our healthcare system. Thank you so much, No Canada. problem. <laughs> Go sell some cars, man. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show continues right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Bring on your phone calls here to answer them right till noon. 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell. You want to get a hold of Dr. Lou anytime. Info at paincarecanada.com. Get that consultation happening. And one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And uh, Ben, good morning or good afternoon or somewhere in the middle. How are you, pal? Hi, good morning. What's going on? I have two new knees. I just want to know what exercise I can still do and what to avoid. Uh, did you, once you got the knee replacements, did you have a, a physiotherapist, someone leading the rehab? Yes, I went to therapy and for two months. What did they suggest for exercises? Uh, they said avoid jumping. That's all they said. Then I would go with their recommendation. See, with anything... 
it, I can't, it's very, very hard for me to give specific advice to anybody if I haven't actually seen it. Not all knee replacements and not all knee injuries are the exact same. Even if two people have had a knee replacement, mm -hmm. those two people may have different other functional problems. They might have an ankle injury, this or that. So it, I can't tell you just based on you asking me what should you do and what should you avoid. Uh, but what I can tell you is just simply listen to whatever that team that's been part of your care has said and more so what i usually tell other what i usually tell people anyways is your body gives you a lot of clues if you are doing something and it hurts you should avoid that and that is very very that is true for all injuries if people that push through pain um when when they have an injury and they say oh i have to keep doing that you are only making the injury worse if you're feeling pain while doing something so the simple fact is do not do whatever is hurting you that is that greg has his gospel for for cars mm -hmm. that would be my number one commandment if it hurts don't do it okay great Thank okay you. hey lou good morning Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Good, pal. What's up? Um, about six months ago, I had a rotary cuff injury. I'm a bit of a gym rat. So what I did is I gave myself a medical degree and I self-medicated myself. <laughs> okay. So um, what I did is I did certain exercises to uh, sort of get, uh, stretch out the, uh, uh, the upper part of the arm. Uh, it was so bad that I couldn't raise my arm at a horizontal position. Okay. And... Uh, now, I mean, now it's back to, I would say, about 80 to 90 percent. But the, the issue is that uh, depending on what position I'm sitting in and what, you know, what, what sort of extent I have on my arm, I get tingling on the back of my hand. Right. Okay. So is it uh, some sort of a, a nerve issue now that I'm dealing with? or You may have potentially had a nerve issue the whole time. The, the first problem is you tried to diagnose yourself and... And you went to uh, Google Medical School, and uh, I don't, I don't think you, you know, this is very, very important when people try to um, self-diagnose and self-treat or self-medicate. You may be treating something that's not actually the injury, and then if that's not actually the injury, the problem, all you're doing is giving that injury that problem time to get worse. Um, and so sometimes things may start very mildly and develop much more severely later on. So. Tingling is definitely a neurological symptom. So, you know, if you're asking me, is this potentially neurological at this point, I would say, well, this, based on the symptom, it sounds like the answer is potentially yes. Uh, but again, similar to our last caller, if, if I don't see it, uh, if I don't assess you, if I don't go through everything properly, I'm, I'm almost as useless as Google Medical School then, right. really, because I have to, I actually have to do my due diligence both for the patient, which would be you in this case, and for me myself, that, that I want to be certain that, I, that what I'm saying is actually what it is. So I would say step one, you got to see, you got to see someone that's proficient. Uh, if that happens to be me, you want to see me, that's great. If you, or someone else, you can go to your family doctor, uh, different therapists in your local area, and try to get the right answer that that i believe is step one and from there you can worry about how to treat it uh, accordingly okay that's great thank you very okay much. no problem thanks lou moving forward now one eight five 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 five. dr lou d-r-l-o-u by the way right that uh, we got time yeah we do hey scotty how are you hello how are you good what's going on uh broken clavicle uh six months later i've had the reconstructive surgery and i think there's six uh pins uh cotter pins uh, screws uh but it hasn't healed. Um, the last consultation through a CT scan, it's there's fragments. Right. Talking about scraping bones and um, uh, bone grafting injection. Uh, okay. I've got to go back for the consultation. I have to make a decision, and uh, I'm kind of frightened, actually. I don't know which way to lean to. 
Yeah, I mean, again, same thing. I'd, I'd have to kind of look at it to, to be certain. There are some other interventions um, that are not invasive that can be done to speed up uh, fracture healing because sometimes, for whatever reasons, fractures don't heal. Now, I think that's a bigger question is why is it not healing? It is, well, is it fragment pieces I'm aware of. Right. So, yeah, so, and that's what I was going to suggest. The second opinion might be an option, but there are things like shockwave therapy, even potentially laser therapy, uh, microcurrent therapy, different smaller interventions that are, are not very invasive that may, and I'll, and I'll stress that, may be able to expedite the healing process of the fracture, but it very much depends on the extent of the fracture, and that's based on me actually assessing it, looking at the imaging reports, and determining based on what the the clinical guidelines and research suggests would be the best intervention. And you, what's on the table right now may very well be the best intervention, but I'm not 100% sure. I would, have to, I would have to review all that stuff. But in general, for fractures, there are other modalities that can help expedite fracture healing, like shockwave therapy, okay. laser therapy, microcurrent. So um, those are things I think that are important to consider as well. Scotty, again, uh, you need to call Dr. Lou. It's easy. Info at paincarecanada.com is the email, 1-855-55-DRLOU. Dr. Lou is the way to go. Back to your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's 1123, Dr. Payne Show, right till 12 o'clock today, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. And uh, Ian, hello there. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Great. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call, Dr. Lou. Uh, great that you're sharing all this great information. No problem. Um, my question is about my son. Uh, he had uh, wisdom tooth surgery uh, a little while ago, mm-hmm. and, um, and he was prescribed oxycodone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a bit surprised because of all the stories you hear uh, these days about addictions to, uh, to those types yep. of uh, medications. So. So I just wanted to get your opinion as to whether you thought that was the right thing and what the alternatives might have been. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so the one thing that I can tell you that I'm not very good at is eyes and teeth. I'm not an optometrist and I'm not a dentist. So, um, you know, are there other, I'm, I'm assuming he was given that medication for pain management. Are there other medications that he could have been given uh, for pain management? I think the answer is probably yes, but... To, to that same extent, I don't know what they did, why they would, why whoever the dentist is um, or dental surgeon would have gone down that path to say, okay, let's use oxys. Like, I don't, maybe there's, it's an associated infection or they had to dig deep to get the wisdom tooth and they think it's going to be more painful. I think the biggest thing with any of these medications is it, it, the issue becomes that these things, yes, they are addictive when, when they're used long term and and out of control, but on its own, you know, there's lots of people that have to take a T3 here, a T3 there, and oxys for certain things, and they don't get addicted. There's, they've been prescribed. Not everybody that's ever been given a prescription is addicted. I, yeah. I think the issue becomes like, how controlled is that? As that prescription, I'm sure the dentist didn't say, "Here's, you know, a thousand a oxys, uh, and yeah. it's reoccurring for yeah. up until you're, you know, 35 years old or something." So I think that's more important. I also think all these medications are also a lot of the times. Um, I'm not sure what it says on the medication specifically for your son, but sometimes it'll say use as needed, yeah. right? So if if your son is doing okay and doesn't need it, then don't use it. And I and I would say that that's maybe the option, but there's 
Um, you know, again, if you if you wanted, I would say maybe get an opinion from another dentist on on, on exactly what was done and why that would have been considered. Because again, I, I'm not a dentist, and when it comes to eyes and teeth, uh, my job is just simply. You know, when someone says I have a toothache or, or an eye problem, I say, okay, go to your dentist or your optometrist. Yeah. Um, sure. so, yeah. I, mean, I guess, yeah, my, uh, I was just, I, given, again, the, the amount of um, stories, the number of stories are in the media about it, I thought that the dentist might have at least sort of said, okay, I'm going to prescribe this. This is the best option. Um, and there are other options that maybe don't work as well if you feel that this isn't the best one for your son. But he got it prescribed. And we did, um, as you pointed out, we were careful with it. We only gave it to him for the first day, and then as yeah. soon as he was um, not feeling extreme pain, we just put him on um, Advil after that. Yep. So, yeah, uh, exactly. So I think you you managed it the right way um, yourself. Again, I, I can't speak for this dentist on why exactly they would have gone um, to that and... He you might know, have only put ten or fifteen. Yeah, and I also you. yeah I don't I don't know, and I also don't want to say that that was necessarily wrong because again I I don't know the extent of of what his clinical reason his or her clinical reasoning was for uh, certainly not. And I wouldn't expect you to. I guess I was sort of just thinking in, in broader terms. Mm-hmm. You know, are are there things medications that provide the equivalent without some of the downsides? Well, to get the equivalent, um, no, they're all going to be like either a narcotic or an opiate-based medication. Now, wh- whether you change the name from one generic one generic pharmaceutical company to the other, the chemical compounds are the same. So the only thing else, I guess, that's available is kind of over-the-counter types of medications if you just wanted to use, you know, extra-strength Tylenol or Advil or something like that uh, would be the only other... Real yeah. options, I think. Wisdom teeth. But, but yeah, exactly. But yeah. but you know when you're when you're talking and wisdom teeth uh, surgeries can be pretty painful for people. So I'm just assuming that uh, it was given just simply if the pain is. How old is your son? Uh, he's uh, sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it's uh, pretty young for wisdom teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think they do them if they're going to like put braces in and there may yeah. not be enough space they analyze. So I'm not really sure the extent. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I can't necessarily say that it's a bad choice. But in terms of, um, you know, are there other options? I think really the only other options would be uh, stuff that you can buy directly uh, at a pharmacy and in all likelihood, kind of, as John said, for wisdom teeth uh, with the pain that's associated may not necessarily be strong enough. Yeah, I, I popped a couple of perks the first day I had my wisdom teeth, yeah. and I was done with it. Didn't look yeah. at them ever again, yeah, right? Exactly. Hey, Sandy, we'll get you in before the break. How are you? Hi. Hi. It's Sandy. Yeah. Hi, Sandy. How are you? What's going on? Um, I have an issue with my back, but it goes down in my right leg. And uh, for the past two months, I was having problem with my calf, and it, it kind of died down, and... For the past two days, I'm unable to walk now because it's right in my heel. Right. And I'm wondering what's going on. Yeah, so I I mean, it's clear if it's... It sounds like it's probably some type of nerve issue. Now, will people in, in layman's term will usually name this type of thing sciatica, where the sciatic nerve is causing pain, and you're getting it throughout the distribution of that nerve um, being into the foot. Uh, but I'm not really sure. Uh, the question becomes, what is potentially causing the irritation on that sciatic nerve? Is it potentially something in the low back, like a disc herniation? Uh, is it potentially arthritis pinching on the nerve? 
Uh, is it potentially a sore muscle or a tight muscle that's putting pressure on that nerve? Um, or is it stuck in muscles in the leg somewhere? So to me, it sounds, you're, you're saying it started kind of as a, you have back pain and you have foot pain. So out of those things, I would say, well, I'd want to look at the back for sure and determine is it coming from your back and is it something like a disc herniation or stenosis or something else in the back potentially causing that. But I think you need to get that assessed. You need to have that looked at in order to be certain. There's uh, not something that, you know, if you've left it to this point and it's only getting worse, then leaving it longer is probably only going to make it worse. And, and when there's pressure on a nerve, the big thing here becomes that once the nerve function gets affected, that becomes a big problem. And nerve func nerves have essentially three functions. Um, well, all nerves will have will we'll have the spinal nerve root anyways. We'll have uh, a reflex, a uh, myotome, which is strength, and the dermatome, which is sensation. So once those things start to become affected, um, then, then you get into bigger problems. And usually the first thing is sensation, which is what you're complaining of. And then once it starts affecting the motor component, the strength, that becomes even harder to treat. So my, my advice to you would be uh, get this taken a look at, have this looked at, um, as soon as you can to have it assessed properly and determine what the actual cause of that sciatic pain is and then treat that accordingly. I did. I did the x-ray and everything. Okay, Sandy, why don't you hang on? I think we're going to break and we'll we'll continue this when we get back from the break. And your phone calls as well, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, Dr. Payne Show, right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1133, Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You got some time to call in and uh, ask your questions, get your comments. Uh, Sandy, yeah, there you are. Yes. Yeah, Sandy, before we left, you were saying that you had x-ray, so go ahead and tell me what you've done already. I did an x-ray and also did an ultrasound. I was told it's the nerve, okay. and I've seen a specialist, and he says, like, my spine is going crooked. Okay. And now, are you sure that it was um, an ultrasound and not something like an MRI? Um, I was told it's an ultrasound. Okay. I, I mean, that's, I, I, that's not the gold standard um, for diagnosing an issue like that. So, um, you know, I don't know that I would feel confident just having an x-ray is good to rule out any problem in the bone. Um, but the ultrasound will look at the soft tissue, sure. But I, I still think better imaging a CT scan um, or an MRI, an MRI being better is going gonna, is gonna to definitely help assess the situation better. I tried to use Tylenol for arthritis. I use extra strength, but none seems to work. Because yeah. Have you done any therapy? No. No. So I think, so this is a very, very important thing. It, when someone has a physical problem, you need physical medicine. You need physical intervention. You need someone like a chiropractor or a physiotherapist to actually be taking you through the right things that you have to do from a physical perspective. There is no medication that's going to, you know, it might very well block the pain or something like that, but it is not going to solve the issue. And, and another one of, of, I guess, my gospel rules uh, would be that um, a physical problem needs some type of physical intervention. And so if you've done no therapy, I think that's where you should start. You should go see somebody who can give you the right therapy to, to get this better. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. No problem. Appreciate that.
It's yeah. interesting, though. People have questions. They don't know, right? They need to be they, pointing in the right direction. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know. A lot of people, it's not their fault. They're not told. But I, I can tell you for sure, when you have a physical problem, right. likely that physical problem will need some type of physical medicine intervention. And physical medicine being a broad term to, to describe things like physiotherapy, chiropractic, massage therapy, osteopathy, rehabilitation therapy, anything where someone, where some healthcare professional is actually working with your body and its movements. But um, usually the these problems arise due to the movement of the body that we're doing ourselves, whether it's a poor posture thing or a way we turn or pick something up. You need someone to intervene physically. Now, I, that doesn't mean you have to go get that for the rest of your life or anything like that. Uh, but what it does mean is you need someone to get you on the right track. And a lot of the times with these types of patients, what my team will do is you get them on the right track, you do a course of therapy, and then they are given the things that they need to do at home um, in order to keep that that problem at bay or keep it healing. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale up till about uh, noon today. You can call in, ask her, Dr. Lou your questions or comments. Hey, Alice, how are you? Uh, I have neuropathy, and, I would, and my ankles and feet burn continually. Would acupuncture help that? What is the neuropathy due to? Um, I don't know. Hey, so- yeah. It's just a disease, neuropathy? No, so neuropathy is kind of like if you said to someone, you've got a fever. I use this analogy yeah. all the time. The next question that I would want to know is, okay, what is causing that um, that fever? And, and neuropathy is the same thing. You're telling me that you essentially have nerve pain in your legs um, and in your feet. My question becomes, well, why do you have it's that? It's a sign, not a diagnosis, right? It's a di- I like to say that it's a, a better clinical sign than it is a diagnosis right. because what I'd like to hear is something like, I have, you know, neuropathy due to dot, 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 right. whatever the next yeah. thing I have is. arthritis with that. Potentially arthritis, where is, it? where is the arthritis and how bad is it? It's very bad. Okay, yeah, so it may very well be due to the arthritis. Are you diabetic at all? I what? Are, do you have diabetes? No. No, okay, so that's good. So diabetes can sometimes uh, cause neuropathy as well. If you've got significant arthritis, again, I, I don't know for sure. I haven't assessed you. I haven't looked at your images. But if you do have a significant amount of arthritis, uh, putting p- pressure on those nerves, then yes, you can have neuropathy due to that. And so um, what what is your question then? Assuming that it is neuropathy due to arthritis, what would you like to know? Acupuncture help that? Uh, potentially, I, I think it would help to the extent that you can help manage the issue. Uh, but you know, you don't don't expect anything out there to be an absolute cure for something like that. It's really going to be about how how can I do things to manage this, and again, keep it at bay, and, and so that you can still function and do the things that you want to do. All all treatment interventions, not you know, we can, we can find research that says. Um, you know, this type of therapy is good for this type of problem. The next question becomes, is everybody with that problem the same person? And so to some extent, uh, you do have to be individualized. So, you know, what I'm trying to say here is acupuncture is great. And acupuncture, I've done it myself for certain people with neuropathy and it's helped. But I can't say for sure when I don't know the extent of your problem, whether acupuncture will help your specific type of neuropathy. But it may very well. It's worth maybe considering and being assessed for that. Okay. Thank you very much. No problem. Much. Thank you, Allison. Appreciate your call. We'll uh, we'll take a quick break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots of time for you to call in with questions, comments. Bring them on. Dr. Payne is here till 12 o'clock this afternoon. It's the Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
It is 11.42. You still got some time to call in till uh, noon today. 11 till noon. That's when the show runs. The Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Timmy, hello there. Hey, Tim. Hi. Um, I know it's hard to get a diagnosis on the phone, but yep. uh, my over the last few weeks, my knee has, I would say, progressively got worse under the kneecap. And yesterday, I was taking stairs one at a time. Mm-hmm. This morning, uh, next to nothing. Okay. For any explanation. Yes. So anytime we look at a knee issue, essentially what we want to make sure is that we want, number one, we'd like to make sure that there's obviously nothing wrong with the bone, which this doesn't sound like a bone issue. Um, number two, we, we want to make sure, okay, is there anything wrong with the more important structures like the meniscus and the other ligaments, the ACL, the PCL, the MCL, the LCL, which are all the ligaments that kind of support the knee. Once we can determine, okay, from a ligamentous and meniscal standpoint, knee looks good, bone is good, there's no arthritic changes, et cetera, et cetera, then usually what ends up happening is more of a functional problem. Now, sometimes this functional problem is called patellofemoral pain syndrome, where people get pain around the patella, which is the kneecap, and it's usually just due to a tracking issue of how that patella moves up and down usually due to some type of weakness on one side of the leg and too much tightness on the other side of the leg. You're kind of characteristic in the sense that it's on and off, going up and down the stairs aggravates it. I'll ask you a couple other questions. If you're sitting down, do you feel like you have to kick out your knee every so often just because of pain and stiffness? Yes. Yeah. So, So again, I can't diagnose anything, but it's starting to sound something like a functional issue. And so uh, whether that functional issue is patellofemoral pain syndrome or something else like whatever, chondral malacia patella, blah, 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 other different things. The point being is that you want to, number one, make sure that it's nothing with the bone. You want to make sure that it's nothing with the vital, the important structures like the meniscus and the other ligaments. And then you're probably left with a functional issue. Anyone that is a good um, physical me- medicine therapist, chiropractor, physiotherapist, massage therapist will be able to diagnose that for you. So, I mean, if you're interested, give me a call, come see me for an assessment, and we will quickly find out if it's that. The good news, if it's that, those are the things that are easiest to treat from a right. therapy standpoint. It's much worse when you have things like torn ACLs or a meniscus issue. That's when you need to get into more invasive um, treatment, things like potentially injections or surgery. So uh, a functional issue is always good because it can be treated from purely uh, an outside physical, perspective, yeah. physical perspective. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe some good news. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Tim. That number, by the way, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, to, uh, to call anytime. Catherine, hello there. Hi there. How you doing? Good. What's going on with you? Okay, well, about a year ago, I was in a car accident, and I got whiplash and damaged the occipital nerve. Okay. And um, since then, I've been getting unbelievable migraines. Um, so I've been treating things with things like uh, Volvo, L-tryptan. I'm finally starting, um, I think it's called Emitriptyline. Mm-hmm. But the point is, even with these things, uh, so far, I cannot lie on the back of my head when I go to sleep without triggering a migraine. And there were months I couldn't even lie down right. because my head dropped. I'm finally lying down. It's about a year later. But um, but the pain when I lie on the back of my head, I, and I can't always control it because I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. So the last three nights, I ended up waking up in the middle of the night with a pounding headache, and I found I was lying on my back. Right. Okay. So what's so the I, question? So the question is, Number one, will that will that improve and get better? 
And number two, um, will the amitriptyline, when it kicks in, help that? Okay, so to answer number one, I don't know. It's that's gonna. I mean, if you're saying that it was worse before and now it's better, it seems like you're you're going towards better. Is that ever gonna be something that's a hundred percent better? I, I am. I do not have that crystal ball. I have no idea. Um, I would like to say that I think with the right things, hopefully, uh, but I'm not sure. And then the second question is that medication going to kick in and help same thing i don't know a lot of times with these things when there's these types of injuries it's a lot of trial and error and certain things will work for certain people and certain things won't work for other people and so um there's no way that i would be able to know uh whether that's you know something even if i assessed you even in this situation if i assessed you and you still asked me and i and i was confident that yes it's this it's that and you said okay will it ever get better and will this help i would have the exact same answer for you i would say i don't know i think uh, it very much depends on a lot of things it sounds like it is getting better which is good it may take a little bit more time to mm -hmm. keep getting better um, it may also not i don't i don't know i have no idea and will this certain medication work uh, potentially uh, and potentially not. It, it, that those are all very, very hard questions that I don't think. Um, and I and I get why you would want to know it from from a patient standpoint, from a person experiencing that. Obviously, I would want to know too. But from a healthcare professional standpoint, I don't think me or anybody else um, is ever going to be able to give you a definitive answer on that. Okay, but the, the strange thing was there was a time when in the last year. I don't know what medication I was on at the time. I was able to actually lie on my back. So from that point of view, it's come back. Right. So from blogs I've read, because as you say, it's, there are very a lot of unanswered questions in the medical community about this condition. Mm -hmm. From what I can gather on blogs with other people who have the condition, it comes in And so it's not... Uh, we're, we're losing you, but I think your question is that some blogs say it comes and it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, same thing. That may very well be the way it is, that it comes and goes. Sometimes things just go away and we never know how it happened. And and I'm again I don't no matter what, I don't think I'll know I'll be able to give you a more definitive answer than that. We'll get to your uh, calls. I see you sitting there and just hang on, we'll get to them. Four one six eight seven L sixty four hundred star six forty on cell continue. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Right, back to your calls. We go on the Dr. Payne Show. And, Billy, thanks for hanging in. How are you, Bill? Hi. Thank, thank you for taking my call. I really sure. appreciate it, Doctor. Uh, the reason I'm calling is I wonder, do you have any knowledge of Lyme disease? Um, yes, to, uh, I do. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not an infectious disease specialist. But, yeah, I can probably answer the general questions about it. Well, I, I guess uh, I have two, uh, two young adults, uh, two kids that have been uh, affected with Lyme disease. Okay. One of them has been uh, debilitating. The other one is still, uh, still, uh, still going. They're still doing what she does. Yeah. Uh, still teaching or whatever. But the, the problem we have is we can't seem to get uh, anyone in Ontario to really listen to the problems and deal with them. Uh, and my daughter, for example, was was initially tested in the states. Um, and then that particular blood was sent, uh, I think it was sent to Germany to validate these readings. They said that she was infected with, uh, with Bartonella, okay. which is a co-infection of Lyme, mm -hmm. uh, Borrelia, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they said that um, uh, she, she told her own family doctor, who was very negative about the whole thing, as most doctors here are about Lyme disease, because I followed my son around for three years, uh, to specialists trying to get some some attention to this problem. Okay. 
But but basically, uh, he was flabbergasted when he did get her tested here for Bartonella. And she says, oh, yes, you were riddled with it. We have to get you on antibiotics right away. Okay. He put her on antibiotics for five days, which with everything I have read and with my discussions with uh, Jim Wilson of the Canline Foundation. So, so Bill, we've, we've got a lot of calls. What's the question yeah. here? Do you, can you treat her? No, 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 I can't. You can't? No, not with Lyme disease. Uh, you can't? No, we don't deal with, with Lyme disease. Why is Ontario not dealing with Lyme disease? I'm not sure. I, I can, I'm just, we, I can simply say that me and my team, we don't deal with infectious okay. diseases that way. I'm not really sure why as a province we're not, or if that's even true, but yeah, um, yeah I, you know, good luck with, with trying to find the right answers, but sorry, we can't help with that. Thank you, Bill. And uh, Rob, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, I want to talk to you. Uh, I've always had a week back, but then I knew that sooner or later something would happen. Been on vacation uh, a month ago Three weeks ago, I uh, something happened. Uh, whether it's luggage, or whatever, I've got this sciatic nerve problem now from my buttocks and my hip on one leg all the way down to my toes. Mm. Uh, it, it's uh, you know it, it was it's shooting pain that was incredibly painful for one week. The doc, doctor over there gave me shots of diclofenac, and I've got two more to go now. I've, I brought them over here. Just gave okay. me five shots. Okay. So what's what's the question, Rob? Question is, is that uh, I'm getting concerned now that this is something more serious. Do you think I need to go and uh, and and take some um, some MRIs and see? I'd I'd have to assess it. I'd have to check you out and yeah. determine is there a clinical reasoning for you to go see something else. Um, there also may be better therapy interventions than diclofenac injections um, to remove the issue. Right, so. Uh, like I, the lady that called uh, before where I said a physical problem usually needs physical intervention. And I, I think those injections and things like that should be secondary after you've tried um, some type of therapy for these types of issues if those things are not working. So, I, I, again, I would have to assess it in order to determine if you likely need more specialized imaging in order to assess it better. Okay, um, it's, so it's something that I should come see you about. Give, yeah. give me a call, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Rob, here's the number, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. That is the number you want to use. Got uh, Jim on the line. Hey, Jim. Hey there. A couple minutes to go. What's up? Excellent. Uh, listen, I've got a self-diagnosed case of uh, tendonitis. Okay. I think in my elbow, and I can't sort of, like, even just tough. Yep. So, so I'll I'll stop you right there. I think number one is you can't you can't have a self-diagnosed tendonitis. You got to go see someone to make sure that it is actually tendonitis. That's step uh, well, one. Yeah, I go. I you know I see my family doctor, and a lot of times he just kind of brushes things off, mm-hmm. or he just prescribes medication right off the bat. Yep. So so come 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 see me. Give me give me a call, and we'll set you up with someone. Uh, whether it's me or someone else that I think is going to be proficient at assessing this. Uh, The only thing worse than a self-diagnosis is a diagnosis from a doctor that doesn't care. So um, I I think you need to get it diagnosed properly to make sure it actually is tendonitis because the diagnosis will dictate what the treatment intervention is. And if you think it's something and you're treating it that way, all you're doing is letting that other problem keep going because it may not be working for that. So step one is get the right diagnosis. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy. That's one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou applies to you as well. Finally, Peter, we'll get you in here. Got about a minute to go. What's up? Hello. How are you? Good. Um, I was uh, diagnosed with MS about ten years ago, 
And lately, uh, my neurologist has recommended a drug. It starts with a T. And okay. um, he said he, ca- he has a case for a relapse and remitting. And uh, my, 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 my question is, what's your opinion on it? He said, well, it's not going to make you any better, but maybe, you know, we can put uh, water on the fire, so to speak. I'd have to assess you. I'd, I'd, yeah. Again, those are things that I, I can't make a general recommendation on whether I think something is a good idea or not without seeing the extent of what types of impairments you have as a result of the MS. I'm happy to do that for you. Come give me a call. We'll set up an assessment, bring all the relevant documentation that you have regarding the issue, um, and then I can make a, a more educated um I, or more educated recommendation on whether something is or is not a good idea. Nice. But it starts with simple, a free phone consultation. Yes. Just call me, one 855 drlou This goes for anybody, whether it's you listening, you have a loved one, someone that you care about that has any type of pain injury issue, give me a call. We will simply speak. It's very similar to what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. If it's something that I think I can help with or at least assess or my team can help with, I'm going to recommend that. If it's not, I will do my best to point you in the right direction. one 855 Dr. Lou is the number. Info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, thanks, Jody. Thanks, Courtney. Good job, guys. We'll catch you next weekend here on the Dr. Payne Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.